Hello, my name is Declan Deneen. Welcome to Checkpoints. This is a show about video games, the people who play them and the people who make them. Each episode of Guest on the show talks about the games that have shaped their life in one way or another. Games that have inspired them, games that have forged connections, and games that have soothed wounds. Now, this is week two of uh, Indie Dev Sember. No, that's terrible. I toyed with the idea of doing some sort of uh, clever hashtag that the kids would like, but no, I mean, no, <laughs> I'm not going there. Um, but all of the all of the the guests for the shows in December are, are creators or co-creators of of games that I've released this year that I've absolutely loved. And so today, my guest is Jonathan Burrows, who is one of the creators of Virginia, which is a wonderful esoteric story, no dialogue game. Oh, it's it's wonderful. It's a real treat. Like I, I would highly recommend it. I mean. Uh, it's been quite divisive amongst people that I know that have played it, um, but as a, as a as a thing in and of itself, I think it's I think it's a wonderful thing. Um, and he also he he worked on he was the writer for House of the Dead Overkill, uh, which was which was amazing. Uh, if you played that back on on the Wii, and he you know he's done a bunch of work. He worked on the original sort of Battlefield games, and he worked for Kuju for a while on Battalion Wars and things. It's a, it's a wonderful chat, and for for people who who are into ASMR. Oh, this show! This show is a dream for you. <laughs> I think the the combined bassy resonance of uh, myself and Jonathan uh, is is gonna is gonna send some people into a frenzy. I think if if that's if that's your bag, um, and <laughs> I was gonna say please get in touch, but that's that's weirdly inappropriate. Um, no, it's it's a really really terrific chat. I had a, a lovely time chatting with Jonathan. He was he was terrific. Um, I, 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 I'm sure that you will uh, enjoy it, whether or not you like the the delicious treats of uh, ASMR or not. Also, I believe uh, he was just recently, or him, him and the the writing team were just recently nominated for uh, Writers Guild of Great Britain awards for the the writing of Virginia, which you know feels like a bit of a cheat. There's no words, <laughs> but uh, no, 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 it's 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 a wonderful game, and we talk a lot about that about how. How they, they they sort of crafted the story and what not 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 as sort of um, patterns. What does it mean? But you know various interpretations of it and and the intent behind it more than anything. I think which is uh, usually the most important thing. Um, as always, if you'd like to get in touch with the show, it's checkpointspodcast at gmail Always keen to hear from people. If people have uh, stories they'd like to tell or you know people that they think would be interesting to have on the show i'm always keen to hear from from listeners i've had a few lovely emails in the past couple of weeks um or it's at checkpoint show on twitter or it's checkpoints podcast on facebook it's very uh, important to have consistent branding if you do visit either of those sites as well please do you know um follow the show on twitter and and like the page on on facebook uh, anything you know I, I want to reach as many people as possible if, you, if, if there's somebody that you think would really enjoy the show, you know, please do tell them about it and just, you know, help 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 spread the word. Uh, it can be uh, your your Christmas uh, gift to me. Um, unless you've got loads of money, in which case, throw it all into the Patreon and I can do wonders, um, which is patreon.com forward slash checkpoints, obviously. Um, but, yeah, like, genuinely, if, if you have time and, and you like the show and you have money, please do consider chucking in a couple of quid. If you don't, that's absolutely fine. Uh, just thank you, thank you for listening. I hope you continue to listen, and I hope you I hope you dig back into the archives as well. This comes up with Jonathan 
I mentioned previous guests of the show, and he's like, what? You've had them on? So, you know, maybe look back and you'll be like, what? You've had them on? I actually, I even I even redesigned the site a little bit to make that a little bit easier. So, like, the the entries are a bit more compressed, so you can scroll back. Uh, not Not all of them, unfortunately. It's just one of the limitations of the site, but you can kind of dig back into the archive and listen to some great uh, great previous episodes okay that's uh, that's enough for now I think I've covered everything um, hope you have a, a wonderful week I'll be back next week with a new episode and a new guest but until then let's get on with the show um, well let's do um, let's do a, a formal introduction for the the sake of tradition and continuity so, uh, sure. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming on. If you don't mind, would you introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Well, thank you for having me take on notes. That's uh, it's very cool to talk to you. Um, yes, uh, yes. Yeah, so I'm Jonathan Burrows. Uh, I've been making games for a while, I guess for about 10 years now. Uh, and most recently uh, in the incarnation of uh, Variable State, which is a studio I've set up with uh, my friend Terry Kenny. Um, we've just recently released uh, Virginia, our first game. Um, and and what what a game it is, Jonathan! I have lots of questions about Virginia, which we will uh, which we will no doubt come to as as time goes on. And I, I only just discovered this recently. You also wrote um, House of Dead Overkill, which is very exciting. Yeah, that, that's that's. Well, I, that, that's oh, you nice sounded apprehensive when you when you said that. Yeah, I did do that. Uh, I, <laughs> I mean, it, it seems it seems it seems a lot of people are very fond of that game. I, I do feel slightly embarrassed about it in hindsight. It was a it's a it was a very silly and and very excessive game in, in all manner of ways. And I think I think in hindsight I could approach that much more thoughtfully. Um, but it was still it was still a, a wonderful experience and a wonderful experience to be given the kind of creative latitude I was, which which is uh, to a great extent thanks to the the, the lead designer producer on that game, a man called Neil McEwen. Um, yeah. Who? Uh, so that was a really positive experience working on the game. I had a very priority. fine experience with House of Dead Overkill. It was one of um, a friend of mine moved to Glasgow, and the three of us literally just—I I don't know why—I don't know if any of us were even particular fans of House of Dead, but we were all uh, really into video games, and we just spent the day playing House of Dead Overkill. We all decided to get together and just play through it, and that was our day, and it was a lovely day. And it's just one of those things that I just—that kind of happens, you know, much less frequently the older that you get. But this is like this is all in our late twenties, and that's the last time I can remember doing that. So let's all get together and play a game, and we did, and it was great. Um, yeah, I guess that was a special time on with the Wii as well. It, it kind of rejuvenated the, yeah, the, maybe. the same, same screen multiplayer and social gaming of, of that kind, like all in the same room together. Well, well that's, that's nice. I'm glad. I'm glad it facilitated that tackle. Good. Well, we'll we'll come back to this later. But let's uh, let let's meander down memory lane, Jonathan. And if you can remember. Um, what was your very first experience of a video game? Um, no, I, you sent me this this long list of, of, of questions ahead of this this call, which I really appreciated because so many of them were were inviting me to think about uh, the, the games I've played in the past, and Good. and I, I realized I hadn't really thought about about this for a very long time, and and, and my earliest, I think my my earliest experiences playing games were. Uh, are all quite fond ones. They were with my dad mostly. We had a ZX Spectrum uh, in the house. I think it was the first uh, computer that, that that my dad had in the house. It was the first. And was it just like there? It was like your dad's. It wasn't like an occasion to get your computer. It was just like, oh, we have a computer. 
Um, it was no, it was kind of it was a real occasion to get it out because it came in like this. It was in, I don't know how to describe it. Really. It was almost like in a suitcase. I think it. I don't know if that was how my dad had bought the ZX Spectrum. If he bought this this thing afterwards, but someone you know, had made a got, cool spy suitcase for the Spectrum. That's that's brilliant. Yeah, it was the strangest thing. It was and it sort of it had like clasps on it, and you'd open it out, and inside there'd be the the Spectrum computer and keyboard on the left hand side, and I think. No, I didn't have the tape deck inside that. You had to then go and we had to go and retrieve a tape deck from somewhere else in the house and plug it in to to, to run the games. Um, but it was a real moment. Like to, we had to move furniture around, so there was a table in front of the TV, and we put this sort of suitcase-like uh, container on the, the on the on the table and, and get it all out. And of course, to get a game loaded was took quite a while. That seems and like so, quite an occasion because I think for most people, the, the computer would just be out and just you know you play on it every moment that you can but this, this seems like much more of a ritual like like getting out a board game or something yeah that's interesting i mean I, I, that's something i hadn't ever really thought of at the time or since but you're right yeah like getting getting out a board game uh it's very similar to that really uh, and this was all involved like you'd have to take out you'd, i think you had to unplug the the vcr to plug in the, the spectrum uh and 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 yeah and one game in particular i don't know if you recall the tv series giddy game show it was like a it, it was I like no a memory thing. of that no I mean, even even I like don't remember the TV show. I had to go and look it up on Wikipedia when I was I was, I was reminded of this game. But we had a, a video game, a ZX Spectrum tie-in to this kid's TV show called the Giddy Game Show, and and I think that was probably the first game I ever played. And but there were a bunch of other games on the ZX ZX Spectrum. And my dad playing the Hobbit adventure game on the Spectrum, yeah. and, and and me watching him play that a lot. Um, and was it very much like a, a communal thing, like a, a family thing? It wasn't. I mean, if, if they're bringing it out of a cupboard in, in its special suitcase and stuff, I imagine that's not something you're just going to be doing by yourself. Yeah, I think it was a real... I don't think my mum... My mum may have sort of sat down sort of fleetingly for five minutes to watch what we were doing, but was never, never particularly into it. But at that time, yeah, uh, my dad was particularly into games. And, and I think even ha- had a go at, at like, buy some ZX Spectrum magazines and do some of the, you know, program some of the games in the, the back pages of those. Um, and were you yeah, ever drawn to that or were you just too young or uh i think i may have attempted it on, on one occasion but uh <laughs> i think maybe that put me off put me off programming properly <laughs> for for life for one reason or another no i never really never really got the sort of the bug of of uh of, of, of programming uh uh at that point or or sort of subsequently well, it seems uh, like your your dad was quite into it so like as as you know time would go on and you get more games was it him driving the the sort of the enthusiasm or were you like oh no we need to get this game or this this console or whatever no i think it must have it must have come from my dad which is is curious because yeah totally. certainly that was certainly a the peak of his interest in games and and although he bought computers different computers later on i think his interest waned quite dramatically sort of my, through my childhood and certainly doesn't play games at all now um but yeah, I remember him getting a memory upgrade for the ZX Spectrum, and he got a Kempston joystick, and this was all coming from him. and And he really liked. There was a particular game uh, on it called Dictator, which was a it was it was kind of a rudimentary uh, strategy game. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. It's almost I, I almost in, in a crude way analogous to something like Papers Please, where it was about maintaining you, you were notionally the leader of like a, a, a banana republic or something, and you were you had to kind of balance the interests of your uh you know the citizens in your country who are always on the brink of revolution you had the secret police you had to take out loans of the ussr and the united states and it was all kind of just 
you'd get a full screen that was devoted to a particular thing, like you'd have an economic report, you'd make some decisions and you'd get another screen. It was very crude, like two or three colors, everything was very rudimentary. Yeah. But an incredible simulation game of that kind to exist at that, at that time in games history. And he loved that and he played that all the time. Would you, do you remember a point where like, there was a game or a system that kind of felt like it was yours and that you would kind of spearhead it? Not your, you weren't just sort of playing what your dad was playing. You're like, oh no, I want, I want this game. Yeah, I think it was after that. So after that, he picked up, I think through work, he got a, a Viglan 386, a DOS 386. And, uh, and although he, he, and at that point, he, he played games less than, I think he, he mostly played, uh, he had a chess simulator that he really liked. He played a lot of chess. Um, but I just uh, went to town on, on that, that machine. And I, I was very fortunate. My, my dad had, some contacts at his work who what, what did your dad do like was it some something to do with technology oh it'll, it'll sound ridiculous when I say, I say, but he was, so he my dad i suppose you would strictly say my dad was a government scientist like he worked in animal health so he was um he was a uh a, i guess a chemist a biochemist uh, and and was involved in uh, research into uh, vaccines for illnesses that affected farm animals so sheep and and cows and, and pigs and this is amazing a, I, so, I mean this I, is like I, some this, sort of arg for, for virginia here we're, we're branching out <laughs> the secret history of the yeah. Paris family. I, to this day i know almost nothing about what my dad actually that did makes it even better it's so strange <laughs> I mean, he, he, he I, I don't think i don't know why i must have asked him on, on, on numerous occasions I, my dad's quite quite uh he's he's not he's just quite a shy man he's, he's not much of a talker and certainly doesn't like to would never without being prompted talk about himself to any yeah. great degree um uh, so it's always very mysterious and, and and so i i really have no sense of what my dad's nine to five <laughs> job was like at all but but within the institute where he worked there was someone who was very into computer games and would do something like a newsletter they'd, they'd, they'd produce every six months or something which was a list of all the games that you could get from this person on the slice it was all pirated shame, shamefully but my dad would bring that list home and and I sort of go through and there'd be things like Cannon Fodder or Wing Commander and all these wonderful wonderful games that that just about ran on R three eight six and so that was my my earliest introduction to uh, to, to kind of games like I guess I most vividly remember sort of the earliest games I most vividly remember the sort of formative formative game experiences I guess um, I hope I've subsequently paid for all of those games that in hindsight no i wouldn't really feel terrible. bad this is this is a common thread like it is and especially when you're younger there's there's a sense of like why why on earth wouldn't i get all these games like you, there is no necessarily sort of moral uh, aspect to it it's just here's loads of games let's all share games and to be honest there is there is still something quite lovely about that whole idea um like the, the the way people sort of shared their their passion enthusiasm and also like one of my my favorite things that has kind of come up a bunch of times on the show is people being given like essentially mixtapes of games but with no um no listings like no idea what the games were so it'd just be like this little mystery box of potentially life-changing amazing things that you just didn't know until you loaded them up yeah yeah because i'm trying to think how i could have possibly known what any of these games were because i wouldn't have been i don't think i would have been I'm trying to think how old I would have been now when this this was, but I, I don't think I'd have been reading games magazines, or we didn't have. Uh, it, I suppose it was it was too early for the the internet to 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 be. What about friends and things? Was there like a group of pals that all played games together or all into games? I played 
Well, so so where I grew up, I grew up on a housing estate, uh, and 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 just four do- doors down from me uh, was my best friend Richard, who was born literally twenty days after me, and we'd we'd lived together on that street uh, up until our early twenties, when when I think I must have moved out before he did, and 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 so. And growing up, we, we 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 both played games and got games machines at the same time. But at that point, I don't think Richard did, did have a games machine of any kind. And so he would come around to my house, and 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 in hindsight, I was terrible. I was an awful friend because I would play these games in front of him, and I'd play Prince of Persia, and and even even games actually I recall in, in hindsight, which were multiplayer games. So things like Golden <laughs> Axe, where we could have we could have shared the keyboard and played that in multiplayer, and I would I would only only very reluctantly let him play. I was a real. I, I would like to go back and and have words with myself if I could. Yeah. That was, was that conscious though? Like, do you, do you think that was like, oh no, he can't play on this, or was that just a case of you being so kind of in your own head? You're like, I'm just playing games. This this must be fun for everybody else. I think probably that. I I, I can't really recall what what the mindset was, but I I, I was uh, I was clearly an asshole. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but that's that's um, yeah. So 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 so. But I I, I can't think. What was the basis for me saying to my dad, "Oh, you know, I'd be very interested to play Monkey Island or something like that"? Because I couldn't. Uh, there could have been nothing. I was no. I was reading no games reviews or, or or not reading any games magazines. So it must have just been on the basis of of the names or on the, some some limited description, which is kind of wonderful, actually. Yeah, totally. Like, like you're saying, like, like to just receive some 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 three and a half inch discs with you know like someone had biroed on the front wing commander or something and not having any idea what the game will be when you boot it up and the potential for like like surprise not just in like oh this this is a kind of game that i've never played before but also like something like monkey island is perfect example because it was just so like graphically if nothing else just so so leaps ahead of everything else and you're like okay there's a pirate game on an island and you load up and you're like oh my god this is like a cartoon this is amazing yeah, no, I, I remember that feeling in, in particular, and Wing Commander as well was like that when you had the cutscenes in those yeah. those games, and then it felt like, oh, you know, this is this is absolutely like a like a cartoon. It's the same sort of sensibilities have gone into gone into the the, the, the artwork and, and into the presentation and so on. Um, and yes, you, I remember that very distinctly. And like you seem to um, in the sort of games that that you've done, you seem to be sort of pulling from a, a very kind of. Uh, broad sort of cultural pool which you know most people who are into like I, I hate to sort of ask people like you know when when did you decide you're a gamer or anything like that because you know it's a limiting thing but like was there a point where you were you were like games are my thing or were they just another part of your your life i just don't think there was ever a point where i wasn't playing them that, that at least um playing uh, uh, not not i don't not like not like in sort of all consuming way that like, yeah. like uh growing up on growing up in uh, on that street where i did there, 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 there i was i was incredibly fortunate really like that there were um as well as richard there were some there are there other kids roughly our age and and i remember we would have like uh summer holidays where we would be out on the street and it'd be hot and we'd have our super soakers and we'd be having doing a lot of outdoorsy things and then but and then some of the time we'd be playing games um but they were always they're just always there and we always had a some sort of games machine in the house so uh, uh, did, did you yeah. never kind of move away from games then like because there's, there's always this classic i say there's always this this is a, again another common thing that comes up is there's this period where people move away from games for whatever reason like they're too cool for games now or they have other interests did you not have that period i don't think i did no i i, I uh I definitely remember being at 
at school, particularly secondary school, and it was only there was only a, also it felt there was only a small uh, subset of of people in my class uh, or in my year were were into games. But those were my immediate friends, and so we were all talking from a sort of place of common experience. Um, so I was playing, yeah, playing games all the way through primary school, through secondary school, when I left school, and then. It wasn't many years after school that I uh, was very fortunate to get a, a job as a games tester, and then from that point on, I've been doing, uh, been working in games professionally ever since. So, it's but quite... when when you were young, I mean, that that is extraordinary. Like, because you often hear about the the kind of you know start as a QA tester. I don't know how how true that is anymore for you to because you know the the things that you've gone on to do. As much as games testing would have obviously been a foot in the door, that wouldn't have necessarily given you all these skills that you needed. So, was there a point when you were younger that you you thought maybe this is something I could do, or was that something you kind of just fell into? I very much fell into it. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I look back. There, there were. Um, I'm trying to recall the specifics now. So, so I had done, I guess, very loosely what you could call some level design just for fun when I was in secondary school. We, uh, uh, I was very fortunate to go to a school which had was was uh, had quite uh, had, had a had a computer lab and uh, was 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 quite well outfitted with computers and so uh, yeah we we had like a number of um, I'm trying to remember what they were exactly I think a number of, of Macintoshes that were on a on a network and there were a group of us who after school I can't remember for what reasons but I think uh, some of us our parents lived quite far away. Or, or even we just did it voluntarily. Um, Are you not we, we willing all, to admit you're in computer club? Well, there wasn't a computer club. <laughs> no, like this was. I don't know how this came about because it was just uh, like a, a group of us. Like we'd all stay for like an hour after school most days, and I don't know how the sort of IT teacher administrator put up with us, but he just let us go into the computer room for an hour after after um, after school. And we were the only people that were in there. There was no one in there doing like proper work or, or doing coursework or anything like that it was typically just us and we would play marathon and oh, sorry you cut off just for a second you play what sorry oh sorry uh we play marathon 2 and okay. marathon infinity the the early uh bungee uh first person shooters that were only on i think they're only on they're the on only Mac, macintosh games i believe at the time the only Macintosh. There are. Well, you say there were great. There were there were loads of Macintosh games. That that like there was a a game I played at the time. Then which I only played really at, at school was uh, called Escape Velocity, which was this sort of top down space shooter RPG uh, game. A lot of a, a lot of great Mac games um, that didn't no, seem to but, transition over to PC. But, but that, that that like that sort like all the way through you and you setting up that that story of you staying behind after school. I'm waiting for you to say Doom or Quake, essentially. And then it's Marathon oh, and Marathon too, because I'm, I'm pretty sure they were kind of concurrent, kind of releases like similar sort of period. You're right. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. But at the time, I my my I was still I think at home. All we had was the three eight six. I remember some some of my friends had like Windows ninety five uh, compatible PCs and and CD ROMs and sound cards and things like that. Yeah. And and at home, all I had was uh, oh I say all I had. I mean, we're very very fortunate to have. Have a, have a have a computer at all yeah but um but but i was sort of limited in what i could play at home and would you play um, would you design levels in marathon then was that like part of the the, the fun time after school uh not not really what we were doing after school but but my mum uh would in the summer holidays she'd done a number of occasions would borrow a computer from my school to edit 
the school magazine, which they, they, they so she would get a whole load of articles through and then she would use some uh, web processing or, okay. or, or uh, I'm not sure what sort of software it was to, to, to edit this. And then when she wasn't uh, doing that, I had access to this, this much more powerful computer than our home computer to, and I'd put Marathon in and I'd use Marathon's level editing tools to make a load of really rudimentary kind of uh, arena style deathmatch levels. And then the following term, we would get to play those. Amazing. Um, so that that was and that was really the extent. I mean, maybe I did some, I made some maybe Warcraft two levels, but they were never very good. Um, but it was mostly the marathon level editing that I remember. And then, uh, but just on that, that though, like, did you did you have um, like what 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 was your uh, design principles? I suppose. I mean, you wouldn't have been thinking it in that terms then. But like, what sort of things we, would you have been drawn to? Do you think what sort of levels did you make? Were you aware of stuff like, oh, we need a corridor to channel people here, and then we need an open space for them to do firefights here? And I imagine I probably was thinking, thinking, I think it, I, I probably wasn't uh, putting that much thought and analysis into it. I imagine it was more just a trial and error kind of iteration that I would, I would, I would start off with something that was probably a very symmetrical kind of arena level, and then just try tweaking it and see what yeah. felt good and what didn't, but didn't didn't really have a sort of a grammar of of level design at that point it was and it was probably much more uh i'd put it in front of my friends and they'd be quite candid about whether they thought it was rubbish or not or, or, or not even actually they would probably wouldn't vocalize it but you'd get a sense yeah. if we carried on playing that level it was it was good and if we didn't it was it was rubbish so so probably 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 only on that level uh of understanding so that that didn't really i mean because i i mean everyone not everyone but like I had similar groups of friends and people would make levels in things like Quake and Doom, but I don't think anyone really thought, oh, this this, this is going to lead to a career in, in video games. It was just another fun thing to do with the games that we all had. So how did you end up in, in the QA world? Yeah, well, I, I, I'm pretty certain right up until the moment I saw, uh, I just came across an advert in the local paper, which w was saying, which said Electronic Arts is, is hiring games testers and they were just just down the road uh i think up until that point i would never have considered like, that there'd be any possibility of me getting into 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 games because i i you know i uh assumed you'd need to be a programmer or you'd need to have uh some understanding of 3d art tools things i didn't understand or have any yeah. knowledge of and um, the, like, and did, did you have an idea of what you what else you were going to do like did you go to university or anything yeah, so out of school, I, I, for for a while, I I, I thought I'd I'd go into engineering. I quite enjoyed design technology at school, um, and then I took a year out after school and and sort of drifted and lost focus, and changed my mind completely. Decided I was going to become a graphic designer, and went to a local art college for a, a really short period of time for like three months. And and I I I can't in fact recall the reasons why I became sort of disillusioned with it. I think I was just. I was being a bit feeble at the time. I think after school, I, I sort of, uh, just really lost. I don't know, lost some some sort of impetus, or, or yeah. became just a bit meandering, and dropped out of art college, and then found myself just doing, um, doing sort of shop jobs. Uh, worked in a worked in a gift shop, worked in HMV for a little bit, and then kind of this opportunity turned up to to be a games tester, and I applied for it, and was very fortunate to get it. And and yeah, worked at Electronic Arts for about eighteen months, around two thousand and four. Trying to think what games I worked on. Worked on Burnout, Three Takedown. Worked oh, on what? Time Splitters, Future Perfect. Um, Time Splitters, yeah. Lasso, but Burnout is amazing. Like as much as I'm sure games testing 
becomes an absolute unbelievable chore. Like Burnout 3 is a really good game. Like you can play that a lot and just purely the the feel of it is so good. Oh yeah, no, that was that was a lot of fun to test for that reason because it was a competitive game, as was Time Splitters, Future Perfect as well, because it had the multiplayer component. It was uh, uh, no testing testing single player games can certainly get a bit soul destroying, but but no testing uh, Burnout was a lot of fun. Um, I seem to remember when it came into the testing department, it came in sort of staggeringly polished as well, which compared to to other games that we we'd started testing on. So I don't know, I don't know quite what, what Criterion were doing differently to everybody else, but that it was a sort of a pleasure to play uh, from from day one. And and when it broke, it sort of broke in such a spectacular way that that was quite quite fun too. I remember <laughs> sort of like courses sort of suddenly ending and and cars flying off into oblivion and and things like that. They should have left um, that in. Put it in as a feature. Special mode. Take yeah. it to that next level. Um, so, so, when you're sort of in this kind of world of doing QA and just playing games all day long, did you still were you still interested in games outside of that? Would you still go home and play other video games? Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, definitely, in fact, because I think uh, within uh, as a tester, I was uh, for for the first time ever. Although I'd had friends at school who were into games, it was only a sort of small group of us, and and and, and we were all kind of playing the same things. And then when I uh, started at Electronic Arts, I was suddenly surrounded by people who were all extremely interested in games and in a huge diversity of games that I wasn't even aware of. And I remember, uh, I think it was the first time I was made aware of. Star Wars Galaxies. There was someone. There was a group of people there who were very into MMOs and Star Wars Galaxies, in particular. I think that's the right name. Is it Star Wars Galaxies? I think so. I don't, uh, I don't know. The, I will uh, assume so. And and and, uh, and 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 people who are very into Japanese games that I wasn't I wasn't that aware of. And, and so that was kind of interesting to 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 to, uh, to have you know it's my taste uh, well be exposed to. To, to, to that variety of, of interest and to have my, my tastes, I guess, expanded and uh, the opportunity for my tastes to be expanded in that way. Yeah. Um, and I think most of my money that wasn't going on paying to live was going on games at that point. So I probably was working ludicrous shifts at EA, like the, the, the way the, the working day was broken. They, they, they always needed to have 24-hour coverage. So I think there was like, uh, and so you worked, there, there was shift work. So, so I, I can't quite remember how the shifts were broken up, but they were all sort of equal length, like, uh, I'm trying to think what that would have been like nine to five, and then someone started like, as you were walking out of the office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whole other set was tag were, team coming. Yeah, exactly. And there was a sort of a like almost a a sort of unhealthy kudos to working on the the night shift. Like if you were there <laughs> overnight, that's when all the weird stuff happened, and where all the real sort of uh, the ultra sort of passionate testers would 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 choose to work. Um, and did yeah, you was... like because obviously you've gone on to to, to work in games pretty much ever since then but is there like there was definitely a shift a shift for me at some point when games became not not serious serious sounds like such a boring word but i felt like i would I suddenly realized how much more potential they had as a medium as opposed to just a thing that i liked playing essentially like do you remember if you had that that experience with a specific game or period yeah i i no i definitely remember feeling that myself as well so yeah so just, I'll, I'll just uh, fast forward how i got out of uh of games testing so and it kind of links back to, to my experience making marathon levels so when i was a tester at EA, uh there was a studio up in the the north of the uk in warrington that was working on a console version of battlefield 
and they were run into trouble. And so this email went out to the QA team saying, do any of you have any level design experience? And I said, oh, I, you know, I, I'd done some, some marathon level design before. And on that basis, was able to do some level design on this Battlefield game. And that seems so absurd. It does. I, I can't imagine that opportunity existed before or since. So, I, I mean, that's just impossibly lucky that, that I had that break. And I, I, think, I, I think about that. I think about often how how you know how fortunate I was and how unfair that that was. I mean, in a lot of ways, I I think it's kind of uh, I, you know I worry a bit that those roots don't exist for yeah. for, for people anymore. And I, I, I was I don't know. I, I, and do you think that was I, like was like hubris or just naivety? Was that like I'm I'm a great level designer? Or like, well, I did this. Maybe I can get away with that. Oh, it felt like a blag. Like I thought I would be the world's worst games designer, but I'm, <laughs> I'm going to seize this opportunity while it's there. And um, and fortunately, it worked out. And and then and then I could put on my CV. You know, I was a I was a, a level designer, and, and from that point on, I guess people believe me. <laughs> but how did that um, work out, though? Like I'm assuming you went and designed levels. Yeah, that yeah. So um, so 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 a small group of us. Uh, so yeah, so a group of of my friends, people who I, I knew from the, the QA team, we kind of got airlifted up to Warrington and, and lived in a. It's going to sound ridiculous, and lived like in a a travel lodge for. <laughs> I'm trying to think how long it was, like nine months, in Warrington, um, and it, I guess, I, and I've never been. To, I've never been to university, although I, I visited my brother when he went to university. And I imagine it, it, that this is close as I can imagine to like living in halls must have felt like. Like we were all in the same travel lodge together, and so we'd all eat our same and our dinners together. And you're all pretty young, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, I guess we're all like, uh, yeah, like uh, some of us probably in late teens, like 19 or, or whatever, to, to mid 30s mostly. Uh, all men. Uh, and 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 yeah, we're working in this ridiculous tiny little office in this funny <laughs> funny building in a business park in Warrington, working on on the single player for this Battlefield game on on consoles. None of us really knowing what we were doing, but given a huge amount of again, like like, like because just by fluke, because it wasn't because the game was going a little bit badly and there wasn't a lot of uh, oversight. Just given a, a a huge creative latitude to kind of do do what we want really and how, but how um, like purely in terms of you know in, in terms of the tools available like how did you or, or was it very simple was it kind of like the equivalent of making a, a marathon level it was very different it was very different so the i'm trying to recall actually what the workflow was like so i think the environments when we turned up the environments already existed there were i think three very large kind of open world environments and we had to kind of put in the enemy encounters and level scripting we, we like each of our single player levels would be like a sort of a corner of one of these open worlds okay uh, and and then we would just and i think if, if i recall some paper level designs had already been drawn up by the lead designer but they were they were mostly just a sort of story description and a suggestion of what the the kind of uh the like the, the kind of the vehicles and troops that you would have be, be allowed to use based on the sort of the, the the, the where in the game this was occurring, where the progression would be at this point, but then we were kind of allowed to reinterpret them however we want, and 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 in the making, like like I don't know, just remember us, a lot of us just went off on our own tangents and embellished these these levels how we chose, and and and, and they we all ended to. up in the final game. I think some were were, were called just because uh, we ran out of time, but uh, yeah. Yeah, by all means, go and see if you can find a copy of Battlefield Two. Is there like a specific? Combat. Is there a specific sequence or like? Because those are the, the the Battlefield games, especially those, those Star Wars ones, they were kind of. It was weird because with Star Wars, you kind of you you feel 
compelled to have a story but these are essentially just kind of big shoot 'em ups essentially big arena shooters so like when you're approaching that were you thinking about it in terms of this is a story or just you know what would be fun to to shoot at there was a there was a story to it, uh, if I recall, but this way the story was told was through you, you'd have a cutscene like a pre-rendered cutscene, then you get say four levels, then you get another cutscene, and then four levels. I think you swap between because this was, I think this was also the very first Battlefield game that was set in the, the modern day. So this just predated Call of Duty four and 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 things like that. It, it seems kind of ahead of its time actually, in hindsight. But I don't oh, sorry, think... I thought you would, I thought it was Star Wars for some reason. But, no, okay. sorry, ba- battle, battlefield. Um, so, uh, uh, like the, the 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 game series done by uh, Dice in Sweden. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, um, Like I think, if I recall, the sort of history of the one that we were working on, it had been an attempt to do a a single player. Sorry, to do a first person game based on the Strike series, Jungle Strike and Desert Strike. Oh, okay. And then at some some point, they they yeah, it said, oh, you know, this is kind of similar to the. Uh, multiplayer only battlefield console game that we're doing but we don't think we can release a multiplayer only ps2 xbox game because there aren't, there aren't enough people uh using the the, the 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 network services at that point so they needed to very quickly make a single player for that multiplayer only game and that's how they bolted the two things together and how 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 they ended up hiring a load of games testers to do that <laughs> so did yeah. that give you that that clearly gave you a, a taste for it so like what happened at the end of that like because uh, it's weird because you know you essentially you're doing this thing on a blag and then it turns out quite well so at the end of it are you still thinking oh i don't know if i can really do this or like well i can definitely do this now what else what else can i do i think i definitely felt at the time and i think in every job since to this to this day it's like, like a constant sense of imposter syndrome that i that i fell into games design and pe- people you know and I, i've I've been been going from I don't know people just haven't noticed that I don't know what I'm doing yet I guess is how I feel but um but I, I try to remember how it, how it worked I think after those 9 months the game yeah the game was was done and 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 I think gradually uh they started to to ramp down that little design team I think I ended up back at uh back at EA in Chertsey as a tester again I think I briefly worked on Black and there was a Lord of the Rings strategy game back as a tester again and then the opportunity turned up to uh, the, the Battlefield game that I'd worked on as a, as a mission builder was going to be ported to the Xbox 360 as a very early Xbox 360 game. Mm-hmm. And they asked a, a couple of us who were still there, who hadn't sort of run out their contracts or whatever, um, would we like to, to, to come back onto the design team just to get a second go at the single player to refine the levels and, and try and add a little bit more polish ahead of the Xbox 360 version. So myself and I think maybe a couple of, of other, other people from that original team moved over the road to the, uh, the, the development studio that was at Chertsey. And we were on that for another six months, I think, just doing, doing the same thing again, but, but with slightly prettier graphics. And, That's amazing. Uh, and so like, yeah. at this point, had you, had you started to think, think about yourself as a, as a designer and as someone who could like make your own games did you start to think about making your own did you start having ideas for your own games or did you still feel like i'm just you know essentially like an engineer i'm i'm doing my job for this thing yeah i think it i, I didn't think of think of myself as a, a proper designer at all it, it still probably felt to me like oh i've been you know i'm the luckiest the luckiest person alive they, you know they've given me this opportunity and they don't you know and 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 and, and I, you know i'll i'll I'll, I'll carry this on as long as it, uh, you know, as far as it takes me, but I don't, don't see 
where it can go from here. I think actually there was a, a producer at EA, well, you know, when my, my, my sort of my, the second design job was starting to come to an end, uh, a producer there kind of took me and the, uh, my co-designer aside and kind of said, and kind of like, like, it was very frank with us and said, you know, like your contract is coming to an end. You guys have to start to think about your, you know, your futures and like you can call yourselves designers. Now you, you should get in touch with, uh, you know, recruitment agencies and, and think about where you can go, go next. Uh, and that I'm, I, you know, eternally grateful to him for doing that. Cause I would never have, I wouldn't have known what to do with myself. And, <laughs> and, and so I think like got in, got in contact with, with the area video games recruitment agent and said, Oh yeah, this is what I've just been doing. And, and then got my next job that way which and coincidentally got a job with the designer that i've been working with we we both moved together which was which was kind of cool and where did you uh, end up uh, end up so that was we went to uh kuju uh kuju's office in uh london so kuju uh i'm trying to think what they're most famous for i guess at that point they they were well known for rail simulator yeah. and uh they'd done a game called fire warrior i think which was a warhammer 40,000 game on ps2 and in london they had this studio which had been set up because they had uh, established a good relationship with nintendo and so they had done battalion wars on the gamecube which was a kind of reinterpretation of advance wars as a as a real time oh of course yeah yeah right, uh, yeah so and, and had some success with that and so nintendo were on the cusp of announcing the wii and so i i, I was uh, brought on as a designer for uh, battalion wars 2 which was going to be was going to be a Wii launch title and then got pushed back a little bit. Um, and had so, you yeah, played that, uh, Advance Wars? Um, no, I don't think I had. No, no, I think I think we got hired on the basis of us having just worked on on the Battlefield game, and because Battalion Wars was sort of broadly comparable, uh, we were we seen like our uh, our experience was was sort of transferable. I'm more just thinking like in that because I, I, I say that because Advance Wars was was one of those games to me that felt like our games are so much like i'm not giving games enough credit for for what their potential is because advance wars is just oh it's a work of genius but like during this whole period when you're kind of seemingly kind of stumbling your way through the, your video game career in in a wonderful way um were you still playing a lot of games and did you feel like your your understanding and appreciation of them was was kind of growing over time like were there specific games you were playing where you were like oh my god this is this is amazing. Yeah, so, yeah, because I remember you, I didn't answer your question a little while ago, actually, where you were asking, like, you know, when did I, when was I, or, or, you know, when did my sort of horizons yeah. or interesting games kind of kind of get broadened? And it was definitely around this time. It was while working on Battalion Wars 2. I remember I, I can't remember specifically who. I was. I definitely, I guess this was around the time maybe that the, the kind of new games journalism was becoming a, a yeah, phenomenon yeah. In, in, in the UK came, games press, like writers like Kieran Gillen. Um, and I was definitely reading a lot of, uh, Lee Alexander's pieces on Gama Sutra and getting an awareness of developers like, uh, I guess, Tale of Tales and Jason Rohrer. Uh, I remember uh, Jason Rohrer's game, The Passage in particular, mm-hmm. I played around then. Episode that, 18, Jason Rohrer. Oh, really? Oh, I yeah. didn't go far, far enough back. And Kieran Gillen as well, actually, episode 12, I think. Well, that's what uh, I'm going to be total plug. To. But yeah, oh, that's an excellent plug. Though, no, I will be listening to those. I mean, uh, yeah. So, 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 all of that was 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 sort of seeping into my my awareness at that point, and that was really definitely a moment where I was I was becoming aware of the potential Absolutely. of games uh, 
to, to be I think I think the most profound thing is to to perceived games as more than entertainment like when you're in studio game development and and, and all of my experience playing games up to that point uh, except for I guess I guess you'd have sort of blips like I must I must have had moments where I'd, I'd felt I had a sense of the, the, the potential of games, I guess, in things like the LucasArts adventure games and game, like where, where you, you, I could see, oh, you know, games have the potential to be, uh, to be, you know, to do meaningful and interesting comedy and, and things like that. But this was kind of revealing that games could be, you know, made by individuals, could be Absolutely, incredibly, yeah. incre- really personal, uh, you know, works of, of personal expression, means for getting across ideas in a way that other other mediums couldn't. So, so that was... Certainly, that was what I was interested in in my spare time, increasingly, and it was interesting. And 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 I guess that was a kind of uh, those were kind of a kind of games that were very different to what I was working on professionally, which were, you know, very very commercial, very uh, very much uh, as 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 entertainment first and foremost. Yeah, absolutely. And so, did like did that kind of spark in you the idea that you could make your own games did you start having ideas for your own kind of games because like a lot of this kind of the 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 kind of the growth of games as as like a personal project and a self-expression is also completely down not completely but largely down to the democratization of the tools you know there was kind of like a almost like a bell curve like you know technology was so primitive at the start that people could just make games on their own and then it just ballooned into impossibility and now it's kind of well leveled off to an extent where people can just make a game on their own if they if they'd like to yeah yeah no i I think i I don't think even at that point i'd have had the confidence i I just wouldn't believe i would be able to do it on my own i think both because of my the limits of my my skills that as a level designer it was it was it's it's much more like being a a rubbish environment artist than it is being a programmer like you're mostly uh, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're doing things like white boxing or yeah. scripting scenarios. Uh, you know, doing very high level scripting. Um, so it's not a particularly technical role. It's it's quite a. I mean, I suppose it has. You know, there's craft to it, and and it varies, of course, from game to game. Like I, being a, I was a designer on uh, Battalion Wars Two, but I was also a designer on Connect Sports, and those were radically different different experiences and required a different sensibility. Absolutely. But they, but no, but notionally, were both games design design jobs. Yeah. But I think I, th- I don't think it was until you had like sort of the explosion and the uptake of of Unity, and you had things like uh, Gone Home, and uh, I guess the games immediately preceding that, like the, I guess Braid and and things like that, where I, I, I don't know. There was definitely around. I'm trying to think when that would have been, like 20. 2012 2013 maybe a bit before that i guess that was the point yeah. where it, it really felt like uh now's the now there's that there is this opportunity to 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 you know make make a living outside of studio development yeah. um i mean that, that i guess that was the, that, that was the significant thing that you could do this you could create uh, at that point it, the, there was a confidence uh based on the example of others that you could make these very uh these games that were very personal uh, expressions of your own tastes and interests, and, and was there very, like unconven- a, w- very unconventional. You could find an audience, I guess. Absolutely. And was there like a specific game that you might have played that you kind of made you think, "Oh, well, I'd love to do something like this, or I'd love to work on something like this." I think it was. So this is so fast forwarding years and years ahead. So around 2013, when so at this point I, I was a. Uh, uh, deep mind in london um and I, this is where i met terry kenny who, who 
I ended up um, setting setting up variable state with. Um, and we were working on uh, a game that never saw the light of day, but it was uh, it was a uh, it was a, it was it was sort of very it was a mobile game. It was very a very sort of was, uh, I'm trying to think how to describe it. It was certainly very a very commercial game. And it was at the same time me and Terry were the kind of conversations we were having were about things like Gone Home and particularly about Kentucky Route Zero. I think Kentucky Route Zero stands sticks in my mind as being perhaps the one that kind of said to me and Terry, you know, people are uh, are doing these very distinctive and uh, and unique story games. That yeah. there's, there's there's real innovation occurring in interactive storytelling, and 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 new ideas are popping up every week. And, you know, I think that must have been at the height of, of when you're getting sort of all these these Kickstarters are getting are getting a lot of attention, and and there seems to be so much so much innovation and novelty out there, and and we were feeling I think quite unsatisfied in what we were working on professionally, and I think and we did take the decision towards the end of 2013 to start working on a game in our spare time, and then in January of 2014 we we were both made redundant. And and just immediately, I think the day we were both let uh, let go, I, I called Terry that evening, and and we just agreed, oh, we're going to make a game, and we did. It's very exciting. I want to go go back briefly and talk about House of the Dead Overkill. Oh um, sure, go ahead. Because <laughs> that that was that was another Kuju game, right? Or was it published by Kuju or? It was published by uh, I think it was been Sega of America, um, and but you're right, it was Kuju. So it was uh, yes, we released Battalion Wars two. And then I, I worked on the uh, the American and European localization of Battalion Wars. And then I can't remember what happened after that. But then House of the Dead was going on in another corner of the studio. And it was going on in a different kind of incarnation. I think it started off as kind of this steampunk almost uh, interpretation of, of, of House of the Dead. It was uh, I think that was its only kind of deviation from the previous games. It was quite playing it quite, quite it was being very faithful to the other House of the Dead games. And then at some point... Sega kind of intervened and said, you know, have you guys seen uh, these Grindhouse, the, the Grindhouse films from Robert Rodriguez, Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino? And like Sega had been really struck by those. And they kind of said to, to, to Kuju, like, I think we, we think you should take something from these these films. And so House, the House of the Dead game that had been worked on for quite a while at that point got completely rebooted and they chucked out the script that they had. And I'd done a little bit of of uh story writing on battalion wars 2 I'd, I'd assisted the game's lead writer um he, he'd been a guy called paul Mackman. he'd been very generous and and sort of like he felt like i had an aptitude for the writing and he allowed me to edit other people's dialogues it was quite a collaborative effort to do the writing on battalion wars 2 each yeah. level designer kind of did a bit of writing because they were for everyone everyone who was working on on their levels did the writing for their levels and it went to paul who would kind of put it all in the style of the game and 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 ensure that it all conformed, and then he let me do some of that as well, and he allowed me to attend some of the the VO sessions. So and Paul had left, and so I was perceived to be the most experienced writer in the studio, which I'm not, I don't, which in hindsight I think was a brave choice. It, but well, the, purely from the from the point of view that you know it's. Um, I mean, it is a it's a it's a it's a shooting game like that. That is the core of it. But it is also like if you, if you're going to lean on the the grindhouse style, it is very written. Like the the, the script is is a, an integral part of it, and something that's been you know that got a lot of comments in the press because it was this Nintendo game that was full of vulgarity and and gore and stuff. So that and that is I'm not saying that you're not uh, 
you're not a good writer because I I, I think I think that was a, a really as I mentioned earlier I really enjoyed that game a lot but just to to think well we'll just you know it seems like do you know I'm trying to word this without without it sounding insulting because I don't mean it to be insulting but like it seems like a, a singular voice or tone they'd be going for that you know they're not looking around they're just using the person that they have yeah i think it was i think it was uh i, 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 I think, don't mean that insultingly and I'm, 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 i apologize if it comes across that way oh no no not in the least no no like i think i think this was almost like the the the, the email going around when i was a tester getting the, the 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 level design job it was kind of the same situation that the house of the dead was in a bad situation a bad state they had milestone obligations with sega they needed so they had like six level locations and environment art done already and they needed someone to come in and make sense of the the progression between these six environments and we told like you can just you can swear you can go nuts because it's it's ultimately still like uh, on a nintendo console i think this was i'm trying to think where this this came from i wouldn't have had the confidence to do that myself i think it must have come from so from i mentioned before neil McEwen was the the kind of uh uh, he was called, I think he was the executive producer, I, I, probably what his job title was, but he was essentially the creative owner of the the um, of the House of the Dead project within Kuju and kind of liaised with Sega. I think he was just, he, he, like, he, he gave us all an incredible amount of creative latitude. He was, he, I don't know how to put into words, like, like, like he was just a very charismatic individual and, and liked to delegate responsibility out to everybody. I think because, to some extent, I think because Neil didn't want it himself. But it had the effect that everyone felt a real ownership of that game. Like if you're an environment artist working on a level, you really felt like that was your yours to do whatever you wanted with, and and it was, you know, write whatever you want. And and it's been so much fun. I'd say say again, sorry. It must have been so much fun. It 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 was incredible fun um, because we all egged each other on, and like you know, and, and Neil would would encourage me to send you know when I completed a cutscene script, he would review it, and if he liked it, he would send it out to the whole team, and everyone would give feedback on it, and it, and it felt, but it felt safe. Like you know, I, I can imagine in a different environment doing that, but you know, exposing what you'd been you know notion you know a very personal thing to a group of twenty people who you're on varying degrees of 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 of, of, of friendly terms with uh could 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 be incredibly stressful but i remember actually it being a lot of fun typically people would would like the the ridiculous scenarios they would like the <laughs> profanity i guess that's just kind of i guess it was just kind of i don't know we were kind of egging each other on and, and upping the ante all the time and that was uh, that was as much in the story writing as it was in the environment art as it was in the kind of level design we were doing i think that was it it was just like a real we sort of created this perfect storm where we were, we were, uh, we were sort of encouraging each other. It, it felt really good. It's not, and were you not pleased like with the pleased with the end result? Uh, I was. I remember feeling hugely embarrassed because, uh, like, like in the doing of it, you, you sort of you, you, we were kind of. Uh, I don't know. Like it was all all good fun. Like and an joke that guy of hand. Yeah, very much so. Absolutely. <laughs> I think. I think that. And then and then it, when it's done, and you sort of you take a step back and you realise that people are going to look at this and uh i think i did feel quite embarrassed like that i, I think it was I very feel, well received though it, it was yeah I, I think it got an, an eight in edge which seems insane for a uh, a uh, <laughs> a light gun game in 2009 or, or whenever it was but uh, yeah I, I guess it must have i i can't explain that i think maybe that is just a con- a, a result uh, like some of our enthusiasm making it must yeah. have seeped through into some some characteristics of the game itself, but I think Sega's uh, yeah. Sega's decision to make it crazy was a uh, was a very good idea. 
yeah, I think they were very brave as well. They never. I, I remember going over to Sega Europe's headquarters one day where we had the final scripts and we just put them in front of them. <laughs> it was me and Neil. I think I think it was just us and then some some representatives from Sega and they just very slowly looked through each of the documents <laughs> and then I think they they did clarify what exactly was going on in the the final cutscene where things go go really quite over the top but apart but they were kind of fine with it and I, I think it's amazing really given it was given, given it was a significant brand for them and and Absolutely. so they were kind of running right with it but there you go it all worked out I guess. <laughs> Um, right, I want to I want to talk about uh, Virginia, but I'm going to do a couple of uh, relatively quick fire questions first. Sure. Um, so, Jonathan, what game are you best at? Um, I think uh, I did actually. I, I wrote. I actually. I guess we kind of talked about this already. I suspect it probably is Burnout Three Takedown because I've played it probably more than than any other game. I, I don't know if that would hold up today if I was to play it again. I'd probably the muscle memory is gone, but I suspect uh, for those six months I was testing it, that was probably the game I played the most and was the best at. Well, the, um, the the QA might be might make this interesting because you know you have to develop a certain level of patience. But if you are prone to such things, what is your your worst rage quit? Um. I was. I think that was probably. Uh, I, I'm certain it was like a, a game on the Mega Drive. Probably I was trying to think about this. I had an Asterix game on the Mega Drive that, that uh, like an Asterix platforming game that I remember. Uh, like I, I had a Mega Drive and had almost no games for it. And I used to borrow games from our local video rental store. Yeah. Uh, and but one of the few games I owned was uh, was this Asterix game someone had got me for Christmas. Uh, one year and so I felt obliged like I'd constantly <laughs> go back to it and it was but there was just one jump on it I could never do it was about three levels in and I think that just drove me crazy uh, so I think that that was probably responsible for any rage quits that occurred I don't I don't typically get cross in the way that you see some people get cross on YouTube videos and things like that I think I just turn off the console and go and do something else if things get too much but are you, uh, are you are you not very competitive then are you a competitive gamer have you ever got very competitive with a specific game um i don't think so not really i do i do play play online games uh, a lot but i i, I think I, but, but often just as a sort of a background thing when i have uh, like like uh in, in recent years me and uh, my brother have uh, tend to play a lot of a lot of games online. I'll call him in the evening over Skype, and we'll we'll play a game while we're just talking. And, and they tend to be online games like Destiny or Halo. Um, but uh, but no, I'm not not very competitive at all. I, I accept that I'm fairly rubbish at games. <laughs> okay, well, what about um, has there ever been a game that's kind of uh, consumed your life to the point where you've had to like step away from it because it was causing a problem? Um. I'd, I'm not sure. I think uh, I think I think there are there, there no MMOs that kind of you know stole away no. relationships. No, no, I never really. Uh, I, I have tried to play things like World of Warcraft, but never never quite got into them for one reason or another. I do remember. Um, I think it was. I think it was uh, around 2010. Um, I, I was coming out of a relationship at the time, and. Uh, and wasn't having the best time things. And I think it coincided with uh, Game Dev Story came out on iPhone. And I remember just playing playing that all the time um, because it took my mind off of things. And and that that being the kind of game that it was, that is sort of this very um, 
uh, I don't know what the right word to describe is. It's certainly it's, it's definitely a very addictive kind of game structure. Oh, absolutely. Like I was going to uh, say, like I I had that uh, exact same experience, and I I wasn't experiencing a breakup. It was just one of those games that, like, I would run out of battery playing that game. It was ridiculous. I think I was the same. Yeah, I, I think that that was definitely one I had to delete and 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 acknowledge I would never download it again because it it, it sort of. Have you tried all the others? Like I've gone through all of them. It's crazy. Like from the racing one, the football one. There's a hot springs one, which is particularly good. Oh man, um, I did see there was the racing one. No, I haven't. I've only played the game dev story one. There's a school one. Oh, honestly, they're, they're, I've not actually like I've purposefully not searched for any new Kyrosoft games just in case something sort of uh, piques my attention and I get sucked back in because I've not done that in a long time and I know it would. There's there's something about. I think it's it's like a rhythm thing. They've got the kind of the the progression timed down to some fine art so you're you're always just like oh no there's this to do now there's this to do and then suddenly it's night time yeah very much so i think that's it there's always like a uh there's always like another decision to be made just just a 30 seconds away or something like that to yeah. hook you back in if you're, you're ready to turn it off no i i, I don't or i'll be hooked again <laughs> <laughs> well i mean you you just mentioned this that you kind of played that as a as a kind of breakup game but are there any games that you consider kind of like comfort games like games that have kind of have soothed wounds as i say in the the intro um i don't i don't i don't think so generally like i i i was i i was trying to sort of sort of recall like like it's it, i think this is where i don't know like, like like when i think back uh to to kind of things i was experiencing that coincided with like like significant moments in my my like childhood my adolescence like you know like like relationships and things of that sort it it always seems to be like music that that i associate with those experiences and maybe maybe films to some extent but often but not usually literature and not usually games i don't think although i know although people describe games as an escapist medium i don't i just don't feel like i ever i ever use them in that way i don't think i necessarily have like a comfort game that I go to. I think it would. There, there were certainly games that I that were very sort of very very sort of all-consuming games like Final Fantasy games and yeah. sort of PlayStation One era that I would I would become so invested in and 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 would you know I'd get home from school and I would carry on from where I left off and that's all I would do in my spare time up until the point that I finished them. I don't I don't I don't think I ever really used games kind of therapeutically in that that kind of kind of way except in that. <laughs> Except, perhaps as, uh, that one example of game dev story. Yeah, I, I did used to. I, I did used to play games that were kind of. I guess that that was more to be distracting, and, and I, I found I've used games for that. I, I get very anxious. Uh, in I I I, I used to get sort of quite intense claustrophobia in in a sort of specific thing. It was like like in airplanes and on in train carriages where yeah. I felt surrounded by a lot of people and there was no way of getting out. I used to get 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 real. Uh, sort of on the verge of anxiety attacks sometimes. I did a lot of commuting, which was in ideal. In ideal. Um, so I, I remember playing a lot of uh, Luminaires on the PSP and yeah. like Drop Seven on my iPhone. Like they were really useful games to to kind of take me out of the moment. And where you you get so uh, I don't know, they're so kind of those sorts of I don't know how you, what you categorize those kind of games as. Like I guess a flow was, state, essentially. It's, it's a meditative state almost for certain games like that. 
Yeah, I think that's it. That's that's the best way to describe it, and and uh, particularly luminous where there's the audio c- component as well, and it becomes yeah. you sort of you, you can kind of sort of bliss out when you when you when you get in that that that, that kind of flow state. Um, so they were really useful for that. I, I, there was a, there was a period where I was having to fly a lot for work, and and I think without luminous on the PSP, I'd have gone to pieces. Um, <laughs> so, so so games have been useful in that sense. That's that's excellent. Um, you mentioned this earlier, actually, just just in passing, but this is a question I ask everybody. Purely because I think it's quite a rare thing for for games to do. Um, what games have made you laugh? Oh yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I imagine it's I imagine it's been. Uh, I probably actually the, the probably actually the game experience where I probably laughed the hardest and and had the sort of the, the most and sort of felt the most kind of like 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 the real sort of surge of of like of happiness and 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 the good humor and stuff. Have probably been social. Social games, yeah. multiplayer games. I can't think of specific examples, though. I imagine probably those evenings spent playing Marathon Infinity, ludicrous things must have happened where, where because uh, that brought our friend, that 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 group of friends closer together because we were all sharing, and and probably probably resulted in like big belly laughs and and like jokes for days after. But then, but then there are games like Monkey Island Two and Earthworm Jim. I think Earthworm Jim in particular that were um, that were just uh, that stood out as games that are, where I didn't realize games could be that funny in the way that a comedy sketch show could be funny like Earthworm Jim in particular I guess is is almost the, the it's like the video game equivalent of Monty Python and in some ways um I, I remember that 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 particularly particularly being being uh the cow the that. cow setup and punchline is still one of the I hadn't actually thought about that in years but that really did make me laugh when I was a kid when you launch the cow and then the cow lands on you and there's just this whole level in between it's just such a brilliant no it's right at the end of the game isn't it yeah, I think it's the end the of every, every, every level, maybe, and then yeah, perhaps there is a punchline right at the end where the cow finally comes down. And yeah. I, I can't, I honestly can't remember. I think maybe I played off one gym two and missed the first one again. I seem to have done that with a lot of games. I remember played Sonic two and I never played Sonic one, um, but just had its own silly, its own silly internal logic that that was uh, kind of infectious and and uh, it's just kind of kind of lovely. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess I, I guess another example might be something like. Like games like uh, Draw Something, I guess, played with friends, you can have yes. a lot of fun with, and kind of reveals. It's, a, it's just a good device for, it's a good tool for humorous expression and, and in-jokes and things like that. Uh, I, I remember, remember having a lot of fun playing that. Um, There's a, a version of Draw, it's not Draw Something, and I cannot remember what it's called, but like it, it's kind of like um, so you'll, someone will be given a prompt and you have to draw a picture of it so say i don't know like superman or something um and then the next person has to write a description of that picture and then the next person has to draw that picture based on the text description and then the next and it, it's just and then you you can sort of piece them all together at the end and you see this kind of image being destroyed and recreated until you just had the and it I'm not selling it very well here. You should look. Oh, it up. you are. Oh, that sounds amazing. That's it really a, is. Yeah, it's what it's amazing. Depression. And you and at the end, you've just got a comic book basically of just absurd uh, transformations. Uh, um, oh no, I, I'll go look that up. That sounds wonderful. And it's just it's just an online game. I think it's it's just a website, so you can go and view like the best ofs and stuff. This is very very entertaining. Um, I'll look that up. I'll put it in the show notes because that'll annoy me otherwise. So. You you then went on and you you started your own company and you made uh, you made Virginia, that's quite a bold move. Yes, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm trying to trying to think back to like 
like looking back, I was I I must have been just in a very different state of mind <laughs> at the start of 2014. Certainly, certainly we embarked on like like knowing how pre Brexit how... everything was better then. Say again. It's pre Brexit everything was more optimistic then. That was it exactly. Now <laughs> I'm bleak and jaded. Um, yeah, I think I think we just um, I think certainly me and Terry felt like uh, there was a there was an urgency. Like there was an, an opportunity presents itself because we've been we've been let go and we both had had enough savings I think kind of to last us a year uh, and 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 we felt that there was this movement in games that that was occurring that had been that, that was occurring and moving at pace and that we risked uh, I, I don't know I don't it seems kind of irrational now like, but I definitely felt like if we don't act now we'll we'll miss the boat I'm not yeah. really sure what boat boat it was that we felt we were missing but I think we just wanted to be part of that. The, it definitely does. So Virginia does very much feel like you know a, a natural progression of a, a kind of a current trend. The trend makes it sound a bit a bit sort of flimsy, but you know what I mean, like a, a, a fashion. Does that make that makes it sound even less? Uh, but you know what I mean, like a, there is that that we're in that period where these kind of games are coming out, and there there seems to be like a that you can kind of read the kind of the narrative from the the first one inspiring this one, inspiring this one. Yeah. Oh no. Oh, that went. Oh, it's very flattering of you to put Virginia with like, all these other games. But, uh, but no. I, I, yeah. So I, I think it seems it seems kind of ridiculous that I felt that way. Sort of two years on, that I felt like time was running out in 2014, and then we're in 2016, and this movement seems to be just as healthy as it as it was then, if not more so. And uh, uh, yeah. And, and and so we just we just uh, we 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 sort of, sort of faltered initially. We 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 started off thinking. We would just do a concept, and then we would find some way to would put it in front of someone that could 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 uh, find a, find a way of getting financing for it, and and then get get people to come and help us make it who were more more talented than us. And um, we sort of went and proceeded on that basis for a month or so, and just got really frustrated. It was sort of it was just ideas that were too ambitious that nothing kind of substantive was, was kind of coming together so you didn't have like a specific idea you just knew you wanted to try something in this kind of genre so to speak we knew we wanted to do something about uh, something that would be it would tell a story in, a, in some some way something some, some kind of interactive storytelling we started off in a really different kind of going in a, going in a really different direction to, to to what the one virginia took though we're thinking of things that were quite simulation based um, kind of, kind of, I can't try to think how. Like, like one of our ideas wasn't a million miles away from, I guess, some aspects of The Sims. Like, it would be about AI characters that would, oh, weird. That, that would tell a story. All sorts of weird ideas. There was an idea of a fantasy story set inside a sphere. <laughs> I can't really explain that one. And then, and then we kind of we had a frank conversation with Terry. <laughs> we sort of said, "This isn't really going anywhere, and this is very <laughs> silly." And and then at around the same time, we we both for a while talked about. Brandon Chung's 30 Flights of Loving, and we both had, had the game in our um, Steam libraries, but for some reason just hadn't made time also for it. Also, previous guest on the show, cheap plug. Oh, man. I, I need to listen to more of your, your podcast, deck. <laughs> um, uh, uh, but uh, yeah, so I, so I happened to play that, and uh, I was quite struck by it, and, and got Terry to do the same, and he felt the same way. And then, and, and inspired by that and by our frustrations with the way we've been working up to that point just said well no we're going to make something ourselves and uh and so and so took things uh, so took things on that trajectory and and put out uh well 
and, and, and we kind of thought Terry, Terry's background is animation, but okay. he's also he's also a three D artist as well. So Terry was going to make the characters, make the environments, animate the characters. Uh, I had my limited uh, experience from being a level designer, um, but I knew how to do uh, some scripting, um, and and I knew of the Playmaker visual scripting tool that you you can get for Unity, and so we we we, we picked that up, and and I I. I, I became familiar with that and so i i felt like i could uh do the programming side of things yeah and then but we knew we needed some uh we'd need sound effects and, and audio so we, we we put out an advert on uh some indie game forums and on reddit and we're very fortunate to get in touch with lyndon holland who, who's who was, who was virginia's sound designer and composer and then the three of us just worked on uh, a Virginia prototype. Like our original intention had been to submit something to Indicate that year, but that that deadline came and went. And then we were very lucky, again lucky. Like I think like everything up to this point has been a series of of of, of, of real fluky, lucky events. And it, it's uh, <laughs> like, like beyond long before Virginia, but but this was this was certainly another another one uh, was, was that we were able to appear at EGX in 2014 as part of the the Left Field Collection, which is the program they run which allows people to to show their their, their games for yeah. for free in kind of little indie area and like ready for for then i think it was only sort of like 10 minutes of, of of fairly rough uh gameplay and uh and then off the back of that got some coverage of the game and then and then one thing led to another and we were very fortunate to get the publishing deal with 505 games and and uh yeah ramped up the team and and, and made a game but when, when really... did you like settle on the the, the the basic sort of idea of it and the setting and the characters was, was that all kind of gradual like did you have that you know before you got on the sound designer no that, i think actually in hindsight it all happened quite quickly around march march of 2014 so we so we, we played 30 flights of loving and we we, we were so struck by this use of cinematic editing and, and and how it just works and 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 the opportunities there that you bring in with this fundamental vocabulary of filmmaking into into games in a way that had only been done in one game previously as as, yeah. as far as we could see so we knew we wanted to do that and 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 do and take that further if we could we knew uh that we wanted to do something that involved a large cast of characters because it would it would give terry an opportunity to do his animation which i, I knew would uh lend a distinct quality to the game and then me and terry just loved the x-files and loved twin peaks our friendship had kind of for, formed on out of both our love of, of the particular games that we were interested in in in, in indie game development at, at the time when we met and then and then i was re-watching twin peaks at that, that time and was talking to terry about that and and so so i think when we were having this kind of crisis at the start of 2014 where we had tried to do something too ambitious and kind of decided we'd, we'd have to do something else. I think we just said, let's make something like a bigger 30 flights of loving with lots of character animation. And why don't we do it based on the TV shows that we love? And, and, and there's what ran for, ran for, with it from there. It's really interesting that the, 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 I, th I think it is almost certainly just a generational thing, but there, there seems to be, especially with a lot of the, the kind of more narrative driven games, a commonality of, of influences like the x-files seems to pop up a lot and just the 90s in general it seems to be quite a they seem to be they, you could theoretically put things like you know like firewatch and gone home and virginia all in the same world 
if 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 do you know what I mean? Like they could all be different plates places at the same time. There is this kind of commonality through them. I, I'm sure that is just generational. Um, I I am really interested in the the Lynch um, connection because I mean the, the the kind of the the inspirations from Twin Peaks are kind of you can see them all, all through the game, obviously, but. I've been thinking about how I word this question because it's, it's tricky. But the the like a lot of Lynch's films are generally super difficult to comprehend in some some aspects. Like narratively, they they may not make sense. And so, and David Lynch is very keen to say, "Oh well, you know, I'm I'm not looking for a narrative story. I'm looking to create a, a feeling or a mood, and you shouldn't try and make sense of them." But obviously, people try and make sense of them because, well, people I know at least. And and that in itself kind of becomes a bit of a game, and that's certainly what I felt with with Virginia. Like there was enough ambiguity in it, and especially because there was no dialogue, you, you found yourself trying. I think Christian Donnellan wrote a brilliant thing on on Eurogamer about this idea about you know you, you, you're you may not have any direct interactive experience with the game, but purely by trying to piece it together, it becomes a puzzle anyway. Like was that on purpose, or was it just a, a kind of a natural side effect of of trying to kind of use Lynchian influences. Yeah, that, I mean, I feel like I've been talking for about an hour. I apologise. <laughs> no, no, no. That was an excellent question. I, I just want I want to do it justice. Um, so there were, I think, there were two things in particular about Twin Peaks that we 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 were really drawn to, uh, in its sort of its function as an inspiration, uh, and one was the mixture of um, the absurd and the mundane, particularly the mundane. That that it, it and this was something we we we'd got from playing Gone Home I think and, and other games as well other indeed like sort of very short form games you see on Itch.io and things that games are so often because games are is an escapist medium and because of the kind of people who I guess uh, because games games are made by a certain traditionally made by a certain by, by, there are common interests in, in uh, you, you find in Absolutely, people who make yeah. games you get a lot of games you get a lot of games as a result that are based on uh, you know, like uh, Dungeons and Dragons esque fantasy, or on science fiction, um, they they take you to places that are, are removed from reality. And so, actually, what you what you the result is when you get a game set in the real world that feels like interestingly and profoundly different from the from the from the stereotype of what a game is, and and you get interesting experiences as a result. So we were drawn to a game that would be set in the real world and would be interested in mundane. Uh, relatable, uh, you know, human situations. Yeah. And then the other aspect is, I think, speaks to what you were talking about, which is, um, I think we, myself, Terry, and Lyndon all agreed early on that the kind of art that we're most drawn to, in film and in literature and in music, I think in particular, is where it's art that leaves something open to interpretation, where the literal meaning that if you feel like there is one but it's it's obscure and 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 it hangs in your mind for a long time after you've you've experienced it i guess the best fine art is like this as well the the the, the meaning is is uh even in even in a literal depiction of a scene there there is a there's a an intellectual and emotional intent behind that that is obscure and you go yeah. away and try and unravel what that is and so and so we were very drawn to the idea that we could tell a story that would have that that would produce that same reaction that it would we were keen that it would be there would be a a plot that would you'd probably would be quite straightforward to understand there would be an emotional arc that would be satisfying but that there would also be uh an ambiguous meaning in the in the game and, and it would be open to subjective interpretation um 
and that was something that we i think we and so that was part of our uh, what we what we took from 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 lynch i think as an inspiration and and did, did you think about it in terms of um like it, it it's a bad way of putting it but that it makes it more gamey that the idea that you can because there is open to interpretation and trying to figure out the kind of the the real story would would kind of lend it an, an element of, of of a puzzle essentially i don't know i mean that's that, i mean that's a, an interesting and, and 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 flattering way to to think of it i'm not sure if we ever talked about things in those terms something you made me think of though is i remember will wright talking i think it's around the time spore came out he was talking about his experience uh well, I don't remember what he was talking about specifically. I'm going to do a terrible job. I, I, I've misremembered this. But I remember him talking about uh, how often the experience of playing a game really starts long before you are playing the game and, and continues long after you've played, played a game. Where, you know, when, you, when you're, you're in a game shop looking, browsing at the, 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 the artwork and the screenshots on the game boxes, you're already creating a mental model in your mind of what that game will be, creating your preconceptions. And then, and then when you actually get to play the game, those models are being refined and changed. And particularily with the kind of games that he made, like some, some City, I remember having this effect on me. You'll be long, you know, not long after you turned your computer off, you'll be optimizing those models in your head and, and figuring out, yeah. figuring out your your next strategy for when you next play it, if you ever do and indeed play it again. Maybe there's some comparison between between that and and the act of interpreting art. I I, I don't know. And um, like, I'm going to follow up with a, a very banal question, which is: uh, Is there like a, a real true story? Like, do you have like, okay, here's what actually happens now. How can we kind of obscure this you don't, you don't have to answer that no i i, I mean that there is and there isn't that there i mean that the game that uh the game definitely isn't arbitrary I, I we were very concerned that that would be that that's that's if we that we we could mess up and that would be how things turn out particularly when you're dealing with a game that's uh relies on surrealism and ambiguity there is a risk that that, that you will just re- resort to putting an imagery which is just abstract and isn't there isn't an uh, there isn't an idea behind it there isn't a thematic reason for its inclusion yeah. and we were very careful that particularly the scenes later in the game would would have to be in some way justified and 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 i, and I believe that's the case that everything that you see later in the game is in some way foreshadowed from stuff that, that occurs earlier in the game, objects in the environment, things that maybe you, you, you won't, that aren't a focus of the story and so you may just pass by. But the idea being that, that it's all justified and I guess, I, guess, I guess in a simplistic way you might just say, well, you know, if these, these are dreams or these are hallucinations, they are they're the main character subconsciously reinterpreting yeah. things. But I, but I think it goes beyond that. Hopefully they have a thematic meaning as well. And, and I, I have my own interpretation of of, of the details of the plot and also the meaning of the game they they i mean what we've what i found in talking to terry and Lyndon, who co-wrote the story the specifics of that differ between the three of us we we do have slightly different interpretations of 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 what the game means and particularly how how it ends i, I think that's i i'm very satisfied with that i think that's kind of that there's that i'm pleased that that, that, that even amongst its writers the, there's some some disagreement or some some subjective some, some you know interpretation yeah. that's gone on there yeah but, but what really one. happens at the end <laughs> <laughs> i'll never say no, that's fine 
so so how 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 was it like are you now that it's kind of out there in the world do you feel did you feel you achieved what you did and are you like excited to work on new things i think i think um yeah i, I think i think uh i'm completely satisfied with how it turned out i think it, it and and i don't want that to seem self-congratulatory it is absolutely uh the result of of being fortunate enough to work with all the people this i mean this, this sounds like a line or like political but 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 i managed to meet such such wonderful people in the making of virginia and virginia is uh because it was a small team you can see that's so each piece of it is the there's the responsibility and the result of a specific contributor and i think that's kind of wonderful you know the the animations in a particular scene are terry's or abby's or mikhail's and you know the the, the 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 way the game feels is a result of, of of Kieran's programming. The way it's lit is a result of Matt's uh, technical uh, technical art, and so on and so forth. I think uh, so. It's not it's not. I wouldn't I wouldn't for a moment want anyone to think it was just the you know the 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 game is the result of its story. It's it's like the, the reason I'm so pleased how it turned out is because all these wonderful people were were there to 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 lend lend their uh, lend their talents to it. But um, we were we were very apprehensive. I think when it just before it was going to go on going to go on sale, I think we were cautious that it, 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 I don't know. We were the only people who who had ever ever looked at it. It hadn't gone through any kind of usability testing or anything like that. I mean, obviously the publisher had been looking at it as well. But it, I guess we had all been with it for a very long time. We didn't really know how people would perceive it. I guess we were worried. You know, there, there can often be some hostility on the internet. It seems about, to have gone pretty well, though. Like, you must be pleased. Yeah, I mean, so, 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 yeah. So it's all, it's all gone really well. Even on Twitter and, and things, people have been <laughs> very generous and kind about it. So, uh, so, yeah, no, I was pleased that my, my fears were completely un. I noticed unfounded. that you're barely on Twitter. Is that is that a conscious choice? Oh, uh, uh, it is. To, yes. <laughs> I, I, I worry I don't have... I don't know. I worry I talk a lot of nonsense. <laughs> I think you worry a little bit too much, Jonathan. I, I, do, a lot of, I do a lot of worrying. <laughs> uh, but, so uh, so I, what, what's next? Have you got like any ideas for, for what, what you'd like to do next? Are you going to continue on as, as, as a company? Yes, I hope so. Um, no, I would very much like to. We have... Uh, um, a very clear idea uh, of a of a next game that we're we're excited about, um, and that we're we're we're, um, we're we're building out now to to try and make it into a more complete thing. But 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 there's a uh, we all kind of are excited about about the um, the broad direction of it and the potential for it. Um, so yeah, it's just a matter of whether um, whether we can make it work. All the all the various. It's sort of the hundred and one different things that have to go into Absolutely. making the game to, to make it make it a, a practical reality. What but, about um, your your relationship with the games now? Are you still as excited? Do you still enjoy them as much? Oh yeah, uh, I just uh, they're, they're such a, a fundamental part of, of my everyday life. I can't imagine being being without them really. But uh, but but uh, yes yes and yes and no. I, I certainly don't. I mean, ever since being in games as a, a game maker, I, I guess I haven't enjoyed them in the way I did before that. When yeah. I they were just um, they were just a, a hobby or a pastime or escapism or, or whatever. But I, I still 
play them for fun and, and, and play them to understand their design and, and to, 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 to glean inspiration that I can apply in, you know, as a, you know, as a, a game creator. Is there anything um, you've played recently that's really kind of blown your mind or kind of broadened your, your perceptions in any way? Um, that was something I was just playing recently just for fun. I'd never, um, Terry is a, a huge fan of the Persona games. Um, okay, you know, they're great. I, yeah, I mean, I've been aware of them for ages. I knew they were, they were, they were always uh, very critically well received, but um, I'd always been put off them. But I finally decided to get myself a PlayStation Vita and, and, and got Persona 4 Golden. And uh, I was just really, really, really struck by the quality of the writing and how um, uh, how grounded uh, the, the, the stuff in the real world is. And, 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 and uh, yeah, I was really, really surprised by that. Was, um, so I'm really enjoying that at the moment. That's another great example, actually, of kind of marrying the the mundane with the spectacular. Yeah, it's a very yeah, clear no. divergence, but it is still like it is amazing. Yeah, no, I, th- I think it, I think it works really well. It's uh, no, I, so I'm really enjoying that at the moment, um, and I'm playing Mini Metro on my phone because it's uh, uh, fiendishly addictive. <laughs> I've not um, tried. Uh, a few people have now mentioned that to me. I'll, I'll have to give it a go. I yeah, I mean, it, it's probably it's probably actually another game dev story. So be warned. Oh, maybe <laughs> not. Actually, I've got a very busy week. Um, <laughs> we we've talked about all sorts of good stuff, Jonathan. Um, if there's anything that hasn't come up that that you wanted to mention, uh, please please do, or just you know, talk about where people can find your your, your games and etc. on the internet. Oh yeah, sure. No, I mean I can't think of anything. I, I mean, uh, if anyone does want to find out about whatever we're up to next, I imagine it'll appear on our twitter first which is at variable state um that's probably the best place to go uh yeah uh was that good state. did you, did you uh, enjoy the chat this was awesome oh uh, no i really appreciate you um reaching out to me Declan. That's, no no it's, been... it's a pleasure to chat <laughs> i am <laughs> I, I am genuinely soothed after after our discussion this is like, this is like an asmr wet dream <laughs> <laughs> I'll put that on my LinkedIn. Yeah, you should. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's been a real pleasure. No, thank you for the opportunity.